Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And it took me a while to realize, like, wait, I don't need to worry about taking care of the baby. I need to be worried about taking care of mom and supporting her and just being there for her. And that made a a huge difference in those early months. And and getting away from the ego of the baby doesn't love me, because of course the baby loves you. You know, it just doesn't need anything from you. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to Attentive Fatherhood. On the Believe Podcast Network, I'm Bradley Hasemeyer, and this is the podcast for all us dads out there just trying our best. Well, it's here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, season two has arrived. I am so excited. Thank you so much for joining the show. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I want to say welcome, and I would encourage you to go back to season one and listen to some of those guests, kind of get a feel for the show. I'm having a blast doing it, so I'm excited that you're here. Now, if you already know about the show, maybe you can skip forward a few seconds, maybe even a few minutes, because I want to properly introduce myself and the show to our new guests. My name is Bradley Hasemeyer. I'm an Emmy Award-winning host, writer, and content creator. Uh, I currently host a lot of the stuff that Honda and Acura have on their social media as their on-camera guy. Prior to that, I hosted a car show for about four years and a pop culture news show for about two and a half. I've also done a whole bunch of different commercials and some TV shows. Most of what I do, though, is online. You can see all that on my website. But like all of my guests, it's not about my resume because my most important gig is being a father. Now, I've been married for just over 10 years. I'm a dad to three of whom which we've got a 25-year-old foster daughter who lives in L.A. Here with us just south of Atlanta, we have our 8-year-old biological daughter named Ellis and a 16-month-old son named Loic, whom we adopted. I started this podcast as a passion project to help build a community for dads and encourage them, or, or us, I guess, as we go about our dad life. So each week, I interview dads who have been very successful in their own fields, but we cut right to the chase because it's not about business. It's not about the resume. Like I said, it's all about being a dad. We talk about how they define fatherhood. Also, what have they learned from their dad that they're using in their parenting? And maybe what is something they've chosen to leave out? Season one led to some amazing conversations. Like I said, if you're new to the show, go back and listen to those. I also got some great feedback from you guys, from our listeners saying how much they need this encouragement in their own dad lives. And honestly, I got a message on Instagram just the other day and was like, this is why I do it. It was someone saying they followed me uh, from my car days and then they had a kid. And of course, as, as anyone who's a dad knows, when you have a kid, everything changes, priorities, interests, all that. It all it all shift. It all shifted. And this guy was like, now you're doing a dad thing, which is great. So I'm following you on here and I'm so encouraged. Thank you for your honesty. And I owe that to my guests because the guests I have on here really are giving their time and they're giving their vulnerability and their honesty. And it's led to some really, really fun conversations. So of course, I would love for you to take a second to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. And most importantly, share the show with your other dad friends. The whole point of this show is to create dad community to, to boost the fatherhood, if you will, and would love for you not only to be a part of that, but to participate in that by sharing the show. So thank you very much. But now, enough of that talk. Drum roll, please. On to season two. 
My first guest who is attempting fatherhood is Sinway Xavier. Now, let me just paint a picture of this guy for you. He's kind of like the Dos Equis guy, right? The most interesting man in the world. He kind of looks like him a little bit too with his beard and, and just his overall vibe. If you mixed that guy and Yogi Bear, the cartoon, not the baseball player, you would, you, and they somehow had a kid, that would be Sinway Xavier. A uh, little background on him. He started his awesome life as a professional skier. Uh, then he got into photography and has gone on to become an insanely talented, award-winning photographer and a commercial director. And he's worked with, you know, a couple brands like Nike, Volkswagen, J. Crew, Ducati. His most illustrious client, me. That's how we met working on a project. His art is up in various studios. It's in magazines. It's in print ads. Most likely, if you like the automotive space and you like your pictures to have a little bit of like a a faded tan look to him, <laughs> then that's going to be Senway. Oh, something else really interesting. He talks about this a little bit. He almost got stuck in another country as the U.S. was closing up in early 2020 during coronavirus lockdown. He got one of the very last flights into Boston and then worked his way back west to go to California. But a little background on him. He was born the illegitimate son of a Colombian drug lord. Okay, like I said, his own words. So uh, his mom took him out of the country and they ended up in Montana. And one thing we talked about offline, unfortunately it wasn't in the show, but I want to bring you up to speed on it, was in his teens, he got the chance, I guess you would call it that, to go back and meet his actual biological father. But the guy pretty much dismissed him. And he had hired a nanny, in fact, to watch Sinway for the day, even though he only had like a day with him. Part of why I even wanted to talk to Sinway, despite his creativity and his kindness and all that, was talking to somebody who didn't have an ideal model of a father. Uh, I don't maybe no one has an ideal father model and we're certainly doing our best. Right. That's the whole point. But but finding out where did he get his education and his motivation in raising his own kids and where do you learn it? Where did he learn it? So that's part of why I wanted to have this conversation. He's very open about it. It was really insightful. He also talks about having to build confidence as a dad. He texted me way back in the day. We'd worked on a project. Then maybe a year later, he texted me. He was like, dude, I know you have a kid. I just found out I'm having a kid. I'm freaking out. I don't know if I can do this. Uh, and, and he talks in the interview about having to build his confidence. He tells a great story about what happened at the hospital right as his son was born. All of a sudden, the room is empty. It's just him and his son. He'll tell you about that. Here are his dad's stats. He was married for a few years and then divorced. But as you'll hear, he and his ex-wife are very much involved with their son's life and they communicate a lot. Um, also, he recently moved to Colorado. He realized his time in L.A. was kind of done. Tough decision because he has a seven-year-old son named Cooper who still lives in L.A. with his mom. So he splits time on weekends flying back and forth. And then also during the summer, he's going to have them there for a big block. So this is kind of a new uh, element to a lot of the guests that we've spoken with as well. How does he split time and, and how is he, you know, bringing his son from an LA life into Colorado and, and what is that like? And I could kind of relate to that a little bit simply because we were in New York and I thought we're here for a long time. Ellis was becoming such a city kid. She's taking the subway. She knew ride two stops, get off here, Broadway, Lafayette, go south. And, you know, it's so cool seeing that side of her. But then we bounced and now we're in Georgia where there's lakes and woods and fields and and now she's the kid playing in the mud and the dirt and jumping over the lake and well not over the lake that would be some major ups over the little stream you know what I'm saying and and so seeing that side of her so so he and I kind of relate about that as well but listen you're not here to hear from me you've already listened to this voice enough so without further ado I introduce Sinway Xavier 
right, there we By go. By the way, I'm, I'm digging the uh, the Wes Anderson Cousteau beanie that you're rocking <laughs> right now. It's like I got yes. the COVID hair. It's Dude. insane. You know what? One of our sponsors is Bird. So uh-huh. I, I, I'll let you look at the site, see what you want, and I'll, <laughs> I'll hook you up with some product. Oh, perfect. I may yeah. need it. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on, I guess, you know, what you're planning to do, but uh, there's all kinds of great stuff there. So Not a, not a whole lot of plans right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Sinway Xavier. I feel like I was thinking about this on the way. I was on a walk with my son this morning. And I was like, every time I say your name, it feels like there's such weight to it. Like, like there should be the dramatic uh, trailer dude who's like, Sinway Xavier. You know, so if you're at Taco Bell or somewhere else and they're like, uh, order 347 for Sinway Xavier. Do you feel that? I mean, I kind of feel like it's more of like a cheap cologne that you find in a... <laughs> you know, duty free on your way through some shady developing countries airport. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like a knockoff of Dracar Noir. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. From the producers of Old Spice. <laughs> exactly. Sinway, Sinway Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> Where did your name come from? Actually? I've never asked you that. Um, so my mom, um, you know, I was born in, in Columbia and my mom at the time in the early seventies, well, she's a bit of a hippie. Yeah. Okay. And she read this book called Sinway the Egyptian. So Sinway the Egyptian was a book by a Danish author, I believe, some kind of Scandinavian, about um, an Ethiopian slave that was taken to Egypt with his people. Um, but this Ethiopian slave, Sinway, was a a doctor, and he cured the pharaoh of some ailments and freed his people is the the long and the short of that story. My mom loved the story. She thought, you know, Sinway's a unique name. Let's curse him with that for the rest of his life so that anytime he's ordering food or a Starbucks, I need to use a name like Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your go-to? Do you have a go-to name that you just make Uh, it easy? Mike is my, has been my Starbucks name since that I was is. like five years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love that. Well, it's, yeah. it's great because my name is Bradley and it means from a broad meadow. So I have nothing oh. to complain about. Yours is so <laughs> rad and it comes with such rich history. And I'm just like over here in a grassy field. So it's, it's a wild one for sure. I love that. Yeah. And, um, and then you, uh, I was reading a little bit about you because even though I know you, and this is what I love about these podcasts, you get to drill down into somebody and really get to know them better. I was doing some research, reading some articles and iron and air had a really cool article about you and and was given some insight into your background, which I thought was fascinating from a standpoint of like your dad was out of the picture from the get go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I had a stepdad, but he wasn't really around either. And I was really, you know, raised by my mother. Um, and we were super, super close and she did everything she possibly could to, to raise me, you know, from, two jobs to getting a better education to, you know, everything that she did was basically for my little brother and I. Yeah. Are you close with your brother? Um, we are. I mean, we're, we're very, very different. Yeah. I'm um, so different ha- from my brother. We're like polar yeah. opposites. It's so crazy. Yeah. However, you know, like we're, we are, we are very close. We're very tight. We talk a lot. And, um, you know, I talk to my nephew all the time as well. So, Yeah. Yeah. And he became, a, he became a father at a very early age. Um, I mean, not, not 15. Not 12, I, yeah. 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 Not 12. <laughs> but you know, in our new society that we have, you know, I think he was, gosh, he was 26 or 27. 
you know, to, to become a father. And now, you know, his son's grown up and it's a, uh, it's pretty wild. So I lean on him a lot. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. Do you, I was literally thinking, do you lean on him for advice and for kind of backup or, you know, is it just kind of like, yeah, he's a voice of reason. He's a voice of reason. And, you know, um, you know, I'm divorced and I've been divorced now for close to five years. And, you know, when the first separation happened and, and Cooper was, you know, two and a half years old, he was still in diapers and it was this, oh, wow, I have, I have him all alone. It was easy and hard all at the same time because so much of it's instinctual. All you got to do is feed them, you know, when they're hungry, feed them, when they're tired, make them go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's pretty simple. No, but it's um, true. There is that tension that the easy and the hard, what was the hard part in the midst of that? Well, the hard part, you know, is, is taking, you know, I did, I really took my ex-wife for granted in all that she did, you know, the, the handling of, you know, the grocery shopping, the, the meal planning, the, you know, all the things. And when it's all landed on my shoulders instantly, it was a little overwhelming. Of course. You know, and, you know, now five years later, I have it dialed in and I actually look forward to the, the time that I'm like, all right, I've got to fold these little pants. <laughs> <laughs> I hate folding the little laundry. I hate, and it's like, I, look, I, I don't believe in the disposable uh, textile industry, but man, if I could just get rid of them when they're dirty and buy a new one each time, I would just be so much happier. I, I worked at one point in the mall next to a gymboree and I would just go by there and just be like, I'm so sorry, guys. You're there with your your tweezers and your toothpicks right. trying to fold baby socks. Holy smokes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But now, you know, I really, because our time together, you know, with what happened with COVID, my ex-wife and her, her name's Stephanie, I'll just refer to her as that. Um, she, you know, she really took on the role of school and schooling. We didn't want him going back and forth as we were when he was actually in school. Um, so I, you know, cause I almost got stuck in um, the Azores of Portugal at the beginning. I, I of, saw that on, on Instagram. I was reading yeah. about, I was just like, every page was a turner of like, what? And he's like, you were like, I just barely made it out of here and just got off the plane <laughs> and just made it through customs. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was insane. Cause I, I ended up being in, I was in the Azores for three weeks scheduled. And then I was there for another two weeks unscheduled. And as I was trying to leave, they tried to make me stay <laughs> indefinitely quarantined. And all I want to do is get back to Coop. You know, I called Stephanie and I was like, what do I do? I don't, you know, and she's like, look, no matter what happens, you know, everything's going to be fine. I made it onto the last plane back to Boston, back to the U.S. But she had in those five weeks as the country had gone into lockdown, schools were shut down. She'd taken on, you know, the, the schooling and set up a system. So now for the past year and so many months, you know, it was a weekend thing for me as a dad. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's great cause it's, it's fun times and I'm the fun, fun parent. Um, it's also, you know, it, it sucks too, because I'm not there for a lot of his, his development, um, which I miss. Yeah. I would imagine like, I know if I go out of town for like three days and come back, I feel like both my kids look like they've grown. So I would imagine oh, yeah. like on the weekends, you're just like, what, what happened over the past six days? Like you were right, just, right. this thing is so different or you used to like this and now you don't. And that was overnight because of you're seeing him just the weekends. Exactly, exactly. And then it developed, you know, even farther, further, um, because I, 
you know, when the riots started breaking out in LA, um, I lived in a part of town where I could literally walk out on my porch and see, you know, police cars going up in flames. I could see, you know, helicopters circling. You could actually you know, catch a Molotov cocktail being thrown. I could catch a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I was, you know, trying to add some liveliness to it with a potato gun, but nobody appreciated it. Thunk, thunk, um, thunk. <laughs> uh, get the police car that's on fire. You've got right. fries. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there went a period of time there. I mean, it might've been three weeks where, you know, I told Steph, like, he can't come over yeah. here. It's just, it's just not, not safe. safe. Yeah. And then I, you know, I had this just thing of like, what am I doing here? What am I doing in Los Angeles? I can't even see my kid. You know, I've got rioters outside of my house and I can't leave my house. So I, I, I went to Montana and um, it was Coop's uh, break. So he came with me and we had an amazing time. And it was this, this time, you know, you go on any trip. And I really call it the, uh, the onion peeling. There's that layer that first comes off where it's like, okay, I'm breaking my routine. I'm getting used to this new thing. And then there's another layer where you really get into the routine of where you are. Um, and for us in Montana, it was going fishing. It was going down to the, the river. And, and for me, it was, I was, Coop didn't really jump onto the fishing thing. He wasn't really into it, but he was really into building forts. He wanted to, while I was fishing, he was gathering every bit of driftwood on that section and building a fort. I love that. You know, and he just, you know, we, we, we peeled these onion layers back to where we had this new routine. And I had that epiphany of, you know, I can't be in LA anymore because I don't want Coop to grow up like that. It'll be frustrating and uh, sad to an extent for me to leave. But I know that during the summers and breaks, he's going to have an opportunity to grow up the way I grew up in the mountains. Cause I grew up in Montana. I grew up in Bozeman, Montana. Um, and you know, I made the choice. I almost moved to Montana and I was telling my friends about it and they said, Sinway, you're falling for the July weather trap. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's perfect up there. There's no mosquitoes. Yes. And this is the Photoshop. And, don't buy, exactly, don't buy exactly. the Photoshop. Come October when winter sets in for the next six months, you're going to be bombed. And I knew that having grown up there. So I chose going back to Colorado where I'd spent the very early part of my um, snowboard photography career. And it's been great. You know, I've been here since August and Coop's been out here a, a couple times and it's just it's amazing. You know, like when he first came out, he's, you know, in the house and his ears perk, he was playing with some Legos, his ears perk up and he goes, are those kids? And I'm like, yeah, they're right. They're right outside. They're the neighbors. He goes, can I go play? I'm like, yeah, go for it. And I didn't even go outside. He put on his snow clothes. He goes outside. He was out all day with these kids from next door, having the time of his life. And that went on for two weeks where he would just wake up and go, Hey, can I go see Gavin and Greta? I'm like, yeah, go, go knock on the door. And to him, it was this mind exploding thing because he couldn't do that in LA. He had to get into a car and there was a big plan to go have a play date. And now it was the sledding hill in front of my house was my babysitter. 
That was my play date. Dude, you're nailing you know? it. I, I feel yeah. I feel so similar. We were in LA and then Brooklyn. When Corona came, we had just started the adoption process. Well, we had been in the adoption process for two years, got matched with Loic. Everything happened. We we left because Corona was kind of crazy. Uh, and then, you know, we had about 10 months where we were staying in Northern Virginia in Fairfax at my, my wife's aunt's place. We were trying to figure out what's next. Like New York wasn't where it needs to be. LA, we had kind of done it. Kirsten had been there for like 13 years. I was there almost a decade. And so for the first time, we really prioritized Ellis, who's seven and a half. She'll be eight next month. Yeah, next month. And we really saw in her when we were kind of in in the woods of Northern Virginia, this love of the outdoors that we had to be so proactive to find when we were in the city. And the, I'm going to go outside and play with these neighbor kids because it, it was like a townhome community. And she just loved that. And we loved it. I mean, the, the convenience of it for us to be able to have her socialize with people so easily, uh, you know, it was kind of like, yes, we, we, um, missed the things of the city that we loved as adults, but the greater win was watching her independence grow and in an environment where it could, you know, before where we had to have, you know, walked her down the street. Cause I'm not going to send you five blocks down Brooklyn and just like find your friend probably somewhere, you know, kind of thing. Right. So, exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I understand that kind of that tension between like, I miss this thing that I love, whether it's LA or New York or whatever, but also how much you gain from, you know, the lifestyle that you've got now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you really nailed it with the independence, watching that independence blossom when, you know, I wouldn't even put on my, my outdoor clothes, you know, I was just go ahead. And, you know, the first couple of times he'd, he'd double look back, like, really? Yeah. It's like, yeah, go for it. Like, don't, you know, I gave him his boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. And, you know, and it was so amazing when I said, just don't leave earshot. Mm. And he says, what's earshot? <laughs> like literally like this confused look, like what's it earshot? It is a weird go, word. Yeah, it is. It is. Don't, and I, maybe it's just a Montana, you know, no, idiom. It makes sense. It's, but yeah. yeah. If, in but LA, I was like, it was like earshot is like five feet away. Cause it's too exactly. much helicopter above you. So exactly, exactly. So I say earshot and I, he's what, what is it? And I explain it to him and he goes, you mean I can go as far away as you can yell at me? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, all right, peace. <laughs> now, when you, the first time he left, were you like, yeah, yeah, go. It's fine. It's cool. Door closes and you're like, you're on the door looking out the windows. Oh, or well, did you feel fully so, confident? Like, okay. No, I, I, I have these big windows in a, in a deck that look out across um, the, uh, the driveway, basically. But then there's a sledding hill right there. It's oh, great. So it's, it's literally like a... I definitely watched. I was like, all right, what's he, what's he doing? What's he going to yeah. do? You know? And it was yeah. just great to watch him just do his thing out there with his buddies, you I know, and, and see that independence blossom. It's and so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I've really seen him, you know, in the, the trips that we've done since then, he has that independence where he doesn't need to be latched onto me anymore. He wants to do his own thing. And if, mm. if I say, hey, I'm busy doing this, he'll go, all right, cool. I'm going to go do this. So Now, yeah. I, want, I want to take it way back. I remember getting a phone call from you or maybe a text when you found out you guys were having a baby. And yeah. you were like, dude, 
what the hell? Like, I'm so afraid. Not maybe not afraid, but just, I guess, nervous. There was a general yeah. just kind of like fear. What was that fear? Like, what was going on in your mind the first time that you found out, like, I'm going to be a dad. This is real. You know, there's no, there's no handbook, you know, like, and even if there was one, we're guys and we don't read it. We're not going <laughs> to, you know, so like, that's a hundred percent true. There's no handbook. Cause every guy knows you're not going to read it anyway. Exactly. It's like, who, why put a manual out there that no one's going to read? It's like, it's like putting together a stereo. You don't, you don't read it. You just plug it in. Um, and finding out, you know, that we were pregnant and all that. I, it was this, Oh, this is for real. And I have to step up and figure this out. And so, you know, the, the phone call that I made to you or the text was one of many to the, the dads that I knew that I appreciated, that I respected. And it was, it was starting to pull in this, you know, the info like, all right, oh, those feelings are normal. Cool. Cool. I should be freaking out. Cool. <laughs> you know. Hey dads, real talk for just a second here. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but my bathroom routine used to look like a bar of soap and some shampoo slash conditioner combo from the 99 cent store. But now I'm in charge of small people's lives. I think I can do better than that. Thankfully, the team at Bird is here to help. Now, these guys have won awards from Men's Health and GQ. I've been using their products for more than a year now, and I'm so impressed. Their products use a ton of naturally derived ingredients, which actually makes a difference if you're going to be slopping lotion all over you and washing your face. I mean, your skin is full of pores. Do you want chemicals and stuff just being soaked into your body? No, of course not. They have a body wash, which I love. It's got sea kelp and green tea and aloe vera, and it's it's just amazing all the stuff that they've got in there. Now, to support Attempting Fatherhood and dads like you and me, they're offering 15% off with the code BIRDAF for Attempting Fatherhood. Now, I'll put the link in the podcast notes to make it easy, but it's awesome because that supports the show, and you get a great deal, and you make your life that little bit better. Okay, now back to the show. It makes such a difference. I mean, that's the thing is like, it feels so isolating at the beginning and you guess, well, I guess I'm the only one experiencing this thing and there's so much power in knowing, no, there are millions of other men feeling the exact same way and it's like, what a relief. I'm not broken. I might actually so, be able yeah. to do this dad thing. Which is so funny and, and egotistical and narcissistic to think that you're the only one going through it when literally the point. human race does it all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's such a good point. I know, right? Maybe that's just because we're in LA. There's a bit of narcissism exactly. and the ego involved just even moving exactly. there, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's really funny. Do you remember kind of when there was a shift a bit? I know you talked about kind of like once you and Stephanie kind of split that there was a now you had to do these, these things, but was there kind of a moment that you felt like, okay, I got this. Was that like, right as he was born, you were like, this is going to work. Or was there kind of another moment? Um, well, there, there are a few stages, I think, you know, um, right when he was born, it was really an interesting, it was an interesting birth because, um, Steph had to go into surgery, uh, right afterwards. She was, um, I forget the term for it, but, um, she had to go into surgery. Okay. And there's all this commotion and I'm, I was basically given coop newborn and everybody left the room. I was in there totally alone with the baby, you know, and I'm like, 
whoa hello so they all kind of rushed her off for surgery and it was just you hanging with new baby with with a new baby for 45 minutes nobody came in to check on me or the baby (laughs) yeah you know they did all the things to make sure he was fine and did the measurements all that and then everybody split and i'm like um i um what what do i do and then i just realized like you just all he wants right now is to be warm and cuddled and you know at that point he just fell asleep whatever so that as scary as it was not knowing what was going on with steph it was a big confidence booster that i could take care of this baby and you know hang out with them and it wasn't this this big deal how interesting Um, and kind of metaphorical for years later for it to be almost a similar thing where it was this kind of like in a moment it's just you guys again right right yeah yeah and it um you know it i've lived my life and and learned a lot of things of trial by fire you know it's from from my ski career to photography to filmmaking i i didn't i'm really bad at homework that's just my my it's ingrained in me (laughs) Good. At least so, know thyself, right? At exactly. With yourself. Exactly. And you know, the, the next stage with, with the, the confidence building was, you know, being able to, um, being able to be alone with him at a very, you know, bef- before he was one year, year old, you know, six months old, whatever it was for an extended amount of time. And I think, you know, my, my wife at the time, she needed a break. Yeah. Oh, she was yeah. like, I need a break. And I'm yeah. like, I totally get it. Go for it. Yeah. I'll figure this out. I don't, you know, and, and, you know, wives being who they are, women being who they are, are magic. And it's like, here's all the milk. Here's food for you. Here's a phone number for pizza delivery. The and, ultimate pre-producer, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Like, Whoa. Everything that you could possibly want that you, you know, you realize when you become single, like, wow, that was really thoughtful. And, <laughs> but you know, like she was gone for, I think three days and it was just Cooper and I, and, and naturally she called every 20 minutes or texted every 20 minutes going, how is everything? But that into where we were just like cruising around. And I mean, he was literally like this little meatball, you know, kind of going, all right, what are we doing? You know, walk around the neighborhood and, you know, do our things. We, and you find that you break into a new routine with your little new partner and you create your own new routine and nobody else's routine is going to help you little bits of their routine may, but he, he and yours, um, connection and what you do, it builds on its own and you build your own routine. And that's what we did over that course of three days. And that was another layer of confidence for me where, all right, I got this. Like, as long as he's got food, we're good. (laughs) That's kind of it. It kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, from there we've done, you know, we've done trips solo, you know, week long trips solo. We've done multi week long trips solo. And, um, and just as he gets older, it becomes easier and easier. You know, this, this last trip that we did, um, you know, we did 10 days of camping with, uh, with one night in a hotel because he, he's so funny. He's like, dad, I'd really love to go to a hotel. It would just be so nice. I'm like, cool. Thanks for expressing that. Okay. You know, let's talk. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. 
So now that you've kind of come this far, how would you define fatherhood? What would be your definition of that? You know, it's funny because I, I call Coop my best friend all the time. And he's like, dad, you're not my friend. You're my dad. And I'm like, well, gotcha. But we, can't we be both? You know, can't we be like both? And he's very black and white with that one, especially there's, there's no being a best friend and being his, his dad. I'm, I'm his dad. And, you know, I kind of, to me, it, it is being someone's best friend where, you know, you're guiding this little person and, and teaching them to be a good person and trying to instill every single mistake that and lesson that I learned from every mistake that I made and go, I hope you don't make these same mistakes. And if you do, you're going to be all right, you know, and doing it in a way where you're not um, overbearing, you know, and, and that's the, the best friend part where it's, you know, like anytime we're out and about and, you know, like he just, I got him his first uh, knife to whittle with and, you know, it's, it's a real deal knife. It's not a, a play knife. And I'm like, Coop, this comes with responsibility. You can cut yourself really, really bad. Here's how we do it, you know? And, and it's showing him the scar on my finger where I did it, <laughs> you know, don't make this mistake. You know, he's going to eventually, but that's a lesson that you learn. So it's being his buddy, um, being his guide, you know, and, you know, being there for him when he's, when he's scared. And, you know, it, we had a, on this last trip, he was really scared of the Joshua trees at night, you know, and he made up this because huge they story. Kind of look like, like well, they, monsters and stuff, right? The shape of them. It was the desert Sasquatch. A very, very rare to be seen, but uh, all very too familiar rare. tale. <laughs> exactly. He, I mean, his, his imagination's out of control because, you know, we're driving into this camp and he's like, Dad, I don't want to camp here. And I'm like, why? And he goes, the desert Sasquatch. <laughs> and I'm like, well, do tell me about the desert yes, Sasquatch. Yes, explain. Yes, great <laughs> And response. it's great because then a half hour later, he's, he's told this story and we're getting camp set up and he's like it's like well i think i'll be okay you know like working through it and that's you know it's uh it's fun that way i I love what you said don't do that but if you do you'll be okay like that tension there between you know uh wanting the best for your kid wanting them to be safe but also not swooping in i mean obviously age appropriately you're not just like well you're gonna have to learn when you cut your finger off but you know, how do you anticipate dealing with that moving forward? Because, I, you know, Coop's a good looking guy. He's got a lot of cool uh, talents and abilities. He, you know, he comes from someone like yourself who's this, you know, super talented, you know, free spirit. Let's try it. Let's give it a try. And that that doesn't always end well. Well, you know, I, I think my mom, she was always really supportive of anything that I did. Um, and she kept the communication open between us. So I knew that, you know, I wouldn't get in trouble as long as I was honest. And she told me very early on, she was like, everybody makes mistakes. It's how you recover from those mistakes that matter. Not exactly in those words because English was her second language and it was, I'm sure much more discombobulated than that. Um, However, you know, that 
to me is how I want to approach it with him is look, we all screw up. We all, you know, make these mistakes mm. and you can't let that's so the good. fear of making a mistake, keep you back from trying something. Um, because you're, you're going to fail. You're going to make a mistake. You're, you're going to let people down, but it's how you recover from that mistake, you know, that, that really matters. Um, you know, if you, it, you know, if, if, if something goes haywire, you know, and, the, and it gets all super complex as we get older, because maybe it's not your thing, but it's a partner that you brought into it and they did something. But as long as you own up to it and take responsibility, apologize, you know, and are honest about it, then you're probably going to be okay. That's so good. I need to hear that. Like personally, (laughs) as an adult, I need to remember, you know, because I think one thing in our house is we've taken the word perfect, like out of the table. It can't even be like a perfect day because the truth of that is that subconsciously we're, we're chasing something that's not real. And that's not fair to ourselves because we'll be disappointed every time. So this outfit is perfect. It's not perfect. It's great. It's really good. It's, you know, and and that has been really helpful just for my own psyche. But my daughter has this, you know, we can be in the creative space, especially we can be paralyzed by the pursuit of perfection. Oh, right. Like the idea that like, well, I better, uh, it's not going to be good enough. This podcast is like, we're missing. There's so many blanks that haven't been filled in, but we're just going to go with it. We're just going to do it. And and that comes from a lifetime of failing and still being alive, right? And so yeah. I love that you're instilling that early. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because he's very, he very much, and I don't remember it myself as a child, but he hates to fail. Anything he tries, he hates it. Um, and recently with skateboarding, He's realized that he has to try something over and over and over and over to get it. And I'm really liking the fact that he's, he's starting to get that, oh, it's okay not to, to be good at something right away. Yes. That it takes practice. Oh, that, and skateboarding is friggin' hard. It's you super hard. tricks, just even yeah. balancing. So what it's a great hard. life lesson that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that, too, there's in our world right now, with so much media that people are consuming, like he sees a skateboarding video and it's, you know, it's out of this world, what kids are doing these days. And he's like, well, I want to be that good. Why can't I be that good? I'm not that good. So I must be bad. And it's like, no, you're not bad. You're learning. It sounds like he's a black and white guy, right? Like he's like, you're my dad or you're my best friend. I'm either good or I'm bad. There's no middle ground. Exactly. But he's getting it. He's starting to get it. And it's, it's great. You know, um, kids don't have nuance. I can't say don't open these cabinets, you know, to my one year old, but it's okay if you open this cabinet, it's just a cabinet or no cabinet. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's a really good way of putting it. There's no nuance. It's like, it's either this or that. (laughs) And I think that's a survival skill. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be like out in the middle of the woods as like, you know, a caveman or whatever. And you're like, maybe this bear is nice. Nope. Rip dead. Exactly. Bears are bad. Okay. Let's just move on from that. Exactly. It sounds like you were raised by your mom, right? Yeah. For the most, I mean, I give her the credit for sure. Yeah. So along the lines of the question, one of the questions that I ask a lot of my dads is what's something that you grew up with, let's say that your mom did or, you know, taught you, it sounded like communication was one of them that you really are doing and want to instill. And what's something that you want to kind of leave behind or leave out? Um, 
you know, the, I, I was, when you sent me the questions and, and, and I, I was giving it some thought, you know, and, um, you know, the thing that I think I would leave out about my mom, it, it's, it's tricky because she passed away probably 15, 16 years ago. And through a lot of, of work and therapy, I've kind of blocked out a lot of the bad stuff. Um, and it's, it's not that there was like this really bad things. I mean, she did the best she could with, with what she had. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know that there, I can answer that question really thoughtfully. Yeah. 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 Uh, Um, what about something that you love that she did that you are totally integrating and you thought was like, this was so helpful. Well, she, she really did everything she could for, for my brother and I, um, whether it was, you know, moving to Montana, doing whatever she could to get us on the ski team, um, keeping us occupied and, and really believing in ourselves, you know, when, when I came home and told her that I wanted to quit ski racing and become a professional big mountain skier, she didn't even know what big mountain skiing was. But she was like, that sounds great. What, what are you going to do? You know, and well, I need to get sponsors and I need to, da, da, da. she's like, okay, I'll help you write the letters. You know, so it's that support just never, you know, I feel so bad when I hear these stories of like, oh, you, you can never do that. Well, you from know, a parent, like, a parent, from a parent kind of yeah. knocking their kid, like, no, nah, you couldn't kid, do that. You couldn't do that. You're not good enough. Or, you know, just being, you know, mean to their kids and, not supportive you know there's so it's just it's sad i think that's you know one of the um one of the guys we had on here uh gar Rhines, batting stance gar super nice guy one of the things he was talking about was he was like along those same lines of like how valuable home base is like your your actual home base because he said look he said, you know, one thing his mom did really well was, you know, he was like one of five kids and, you know, big families like, you know, one of us would flip our thumb up and she would just say, wow, what a great thumb flip. And he was like, it wasn't until years later when I had kids, when I realized how awfully boring a thumb flip is, but you praise it because he's like, I don't want my girls finding that praise at the bike rack at school. Like you want it to be a fulfilling home base that they can work out of rather than they're lacking in a thing that they must go find to fill. Right, right. That's super, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it and, sounds like, you know, I love that you're doing that with Cooper on so many ways of giving him freedom, giving him independence. Uh, do you and Steph talk about like, is is it really like, okay, I'm kind of handling like this side of things, like independence and stuff and you keep focusing on school or is it just kind of it's sorting itself out? No, it's, it sort of sorts itself out. I think, um, you know, she also does a lot of, it's not like she just does school and, and that's it. Of course, Um, of course. She does a lot of great activities with them. Um, you know, she, she's very involved in the art community in, in Los Angeles and she's an interior designer and she has these very talented friends around her. So, you know, there's always some sort of wild, artistic thing going on at her house, you know, or they go somewhere and, you know, through COVID she w- Cooper was in a pod where 
a, a learning pod where, you know, we hired a teacher that came in and took care of six kids, but they, they did it in an art studio. One of the moms is a, a pretty well-known artist. And, you know, so he's, he gets a very different exposure there, um, which I think is great, you know? And I think that he, you know, is as tough as it is to be away from him as much as I am. I think that growing up, he's going to really have the best of both worlds where he has this Los Angeles um, kind of uh, beatnik upbringing along with uh, an adventurous mountain traveling, you know, getting out and about type of thing. Are you jealous of him? <laughs> I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm like, this dude is so cool. He has, it's like so many cool experiences and, and it sounds like he's growing so well. And, and it just seems like, I, I don't know, it just like you, you got to be so proud, I guess, is, is the better way to, to phrase it. I, you know, I am really proud of him because he has, he is this, he's such a sweet kid. He really cares about other um, children, you know, early, early on when he was still in um, preschool in, in LA, I had another mom come up to me and I was like, Oh no, you know, that, that fear of like, Oh, you're here we go. What'd your kid do? Like she comes up and she goes, Hey, is your son Cooper? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Like, yeah. And she was like, I just want to say he is so sweet. My daughter who's two years younger was having a hard time and he just sat with her and put his arm around her. And I'm like, to me, that just like, what more could you want as a parent? You know, in this world that's so full of craziness right now, just a kid that really is out there trying to make other people feel better. Um, so that, you know, I, I am, I feel very, very lucky. And, you know, I, his mom is, you know, she's a rock and does a really, really great job. And I'm super fortunate that she's in charge. What, what about, are there other dads in your life that are kind of like that you can, other than your brother, you mentioned that you can kind of bounce stuff off of, or do you feel, I mean, your situation is both unique and common. It's funny because I have the, the, the dads that are still married. They ask me about like, what's, you know, how is that? Like, da, 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 da. but then I ask them, you know, Hey, I've got this situation, you know, with school or, with activities or anything. Cause you know, anything that comes up, we still talk, you know, it's even though I'm not in the same state, you know, he, he took one of his little tools to school the other day, now that he's back in school and, you know, we get the phone call of, uh, so Coop brought a, uh, I think it was a Leatherman that I gave him, you know, and he's in second grade. I was like, uh, Coop brought a Leatherman to school today and there's a, a saw on it. That's a little dangerous. <laughs> you know, he's just excited. Like, Hey, here's my <laughs> totally. tool that I, I and use. Leathermans are super rad. So yeah, like, yes. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, being able to talk about, Hey, how do you, how do you tell him that he gets to do stuff at home that he can't take to school because it's not okay there that it could be da- other kids don't have access. They're not as responsible as he is. I, I, that's, that's so cool because I, through these interviews, I'm really realizing a lot about my own self. I mean, this is partially a, a selfish pursuit. Um, and what I'm realizing is the power of laying a, a foundation early, you know, when, when last interview was with Gar and he was also saying, he's just struck by, you just can't go backwards in your time. Like you have now and that's it. And right. there will be a new now and there will be new challenges and there will be new opportunities, but what's in front of you now is it. And yeah. 
you know, I think about like what you're talking about as far as even that conversation of like, well, we're going to talk about the idea of appropriate boundaries. You can do some things some places and you can't others, but that can't be in the handbook. Like you said, there's, there's too many variables. You just have to kind of live life and deal with it as it comes. Now, what would you do? I would love to know if you could go back uh, seven-ish years and tell that guy who just finds out we're pregnant, who's a little bit nervous, uh, what would you tell him? Advice or just like, you take him out for a beer, what are you talking about? Well, you know, it's funny, a a very good friend of mine, um, he found out he was pregnant well, nine months ago, he's, he's about to He's pop. pregnant. He's, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, they're, that is they're pregnant. Big news. They're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, he's been talking to me quite a bit. And the thing that I keep saying is like, everything's for now. He's going to eat one kind of food for now. Tomorrow, it'll be something different. He's going to poop one way for now. Tomorrow, it'll be different. He's going to want to wear one kind of clothes for now it'll be different. You know, everything for that first three, four years is for now. Don't get used to it. Don't think that that's the way it is because it's going to change. <laughs> and you just have to be, you know, you have to be fluid. And I think that's really hard for, for me. I'm very fluid. I'm very easy, adaptable to change. And, um, but I think that's really hard for people that are super structured and have this you know, I get up at this time of the day, I have my meals at this time, and I do my workout at this time. That stuff's all off the table. And you just have to be flexible. You have to be patient. And you have to support your mom. You know, the mom, for those first two years, she's the one that, you know, the baby cares about the most. You're just there to support. That is such good advice for yourself and for all the dads listening. I mean, I wish you could go back and tell Bradley that <laughs> before Ellis was born, because that whole schedule thing was like, you know, people told me like, it's going to be hard. And, you know, it, for me, it was kind of this twist because people were like, Bradley, you're going to love being a dad. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. But that's the, that's the memory of someone whose kids are like in their teens or college and they forget about the crap of that first few times. And after like two months, I remember telling Kirsten, I was like, I- I'm not saying we made a mistake here, <laughs> but I'm not digging what's going on. Yeah. My schedule is completely thrown away. We're sleepless nights. Why are we doing that? Like, what is that? There's just this meatball in the other room that, you know, and Ellis was a great sleeper. We had no colic. We had no issues. It was like the ideal situation. And it was still hard for me. And, and, you know, that's one of those things that I wish had been clearly laid out because people said, oh, it's going to be hard. Have, have a baby. It'll be fun. They said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great. Yeah. 20 um, years later, someone's going to look back and say that, but yeah, no one says, yeah. I think there's something interesting too, that happened with me where it took me a while to realize, like I wasn't all, I felt really useless to the baby because the baby didn't care about me. You know, Coop, Coop was like, well, you, you've got no breast milk. You, you know, like all I, I want was with is this be- person for nine months. I don't yeah. even know who you are. Yeah. I don't even know who you are. And it took me a while to realize like, wait, I don't need to worry about taking care of the baby. I need to be worried about taking care of mom and supporting Ooh. her and yeah. just being there for her. And that made a, a huge difference in those early months. 
and getting away from the ego of the baby doesn't love me because of course the baby loves you you know it just doesn't need anything from you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah wow that is that is just dropping truth bombs bro <laughs> truth bombs is that is that on your to-do list dropping truth bombs you check that off <laughs> check that off done for the day easy done. oh my gosh <laughs> Well, dude, this has been awesome. Uh, you you already left us with some great encouragement. Any fears as a dad, as a kind of what's to come? My fear is that, you know, gets caught up in the wrong crowd and starts making bad decisions to be cool guy. So my hope is that, you know, again, going back to that best friend, that he's always honest with me and he knows he's not going to get into trouble as long as he's honest and we can guide him. Because there's always going to be that fun crowd that makes bad decisions that you know, and there's, there, there's those different levels of that crowd where there's, you know, the ones that can get into all kinds of trouble and mommy and daddy will always get them out of that trouble with no consequences. And then there's the other ones that get into trouble and it just spirals and spirals and spirals. And it's like, look, we need to navigate this and you're going to, you're going to encounter these things. And you just need to be yourself and don't worry about trying to keep up with anybody or trying to impress anybody because that's a losing game. Again, I need to be reading this book that Cooper's reading because (laughs) I need to hear that too. That's so good. They have to have the tools to make those decisions on their own. You know, to be able to, I want him to be able to come back to me and go, you know, dad, I was hanging out with these kids and they wanted to go play with matches. I don't think that's a good idea. Like, bingo. Good job. <laughs> well, yeah, ice cream. Good job. You know, just make those make those good decisions. You know, that's that's all you can hope for. And it sounds like, you know, in that creating that space of just be honest with me, you create a safe zone. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for attempting fatherhood. <laughs> It wasn't wasn't really my choice, <laughs> but <laughs> but you're doing a great job, and it could be a lot worse. It could be, it could be. Thank you for having me. Always great to catch up with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we get to see each other in person sooner than later. Would love it. Much love to Coop as well. Well, for sure. Thank right, you, bud. See you, buddy. Appreciate Bye. it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.